Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm here in person with the Schumacherian, Eddie Matthews. Welcome to the podcast and to my office, Eddie Matthews. I'm delighted to be here. Um, this office has a startling lack of windows, but I know that that just makes you focus more on the task at hand. Eddie's just jealous. He doesn't have an office right now, so I think True. Uh, he's taking it out on me and my office space, but, uh, you know, that's... Uh, We'll just let him have that one. It's true, my office has no windows, but I make up for it with many books that I haven't read. So. Yeah, he has all these books on the shelf to try to make it seem like he's smart. Quantitative social science, surviving autocracy, the despot's accomplice. I don't buy it. I've read two of those three, so. <laughs> all right, what are we talking about today, Eddie? You've been uh, clamoring for this. We waited to do it in person while you're yep. visiting Seattle, mm-hmm. specifically because you were excited for this one. So what, what is the... The podcast about Formula One, uh, driving, racing. Uh, I don't, I don't know any of those words. What, what is this? Uh, I'm glad you asked. Sport. So Formula One is a sport. Picture like the little skinny kind of tiny cars with the big wheels. Mini you know? Cooper, like hyped up Mini Cooper. Yeah, hi- no. <laughs> <laughs> and then picture, you know, like indie racing is like diluted Formula One. Is that right? So if you know what indie racing is, think of like that, but better. So the season goes for like, what, eight months yeah. of the year? Cool. There's 25 races. Um, it's all over the world. It's in the Middle East. It's in Europe. It's in Democracies, the autocracies. US. Yeah. Hybrid regime. You got them all. <laughs> got them all. Um, there are 10 teams, 20 drivers. Um, something distinct about Formula One is that the teammates, so each team has two drivers, as I mentioned, um, the teammates are also racing each other, right? So sometimes there's team play and sometimes like every driver just wants to win, right? Um, but the team principal, basically the coach, um, has to kind of arbitrate some of that uh, some of that competition sometimes for the for the greater good for the better of the team so I think that's something that makes Formula 1 distinct from any other sport that I can think of is that the teammates who are on the same team are also uh, you know competitive with each other and fighting each other alright yeah so I think there's something about so we're going to get into the basics here for people who haven't <clears throat> uh, watched Formula 1 this is going to be a pretty I think entry level engagement with the sport and if you want to follow us for support us for future in-depth conversations, definitely. I thought we were going to talk about the side pod porpoising of the Mercedes no, car. There'll be porpoising talk. Don't worry. Okay. But uh, I want to say so. I think that, I can't remember who said it, but about boxing, they're basically saying boxing is the most essential sport. Like if two people are fighting anywhere mm-hmm. in the world, you're going to go watch that, right? Like if who can knock out who is basically like the essence of like rivalry, right? Sure. I think there's something true about that with driving as well. Like, who's the fastest seems like just a sheer... Every kid on the playground has had some version of who's the fastest, who can drive the fastest, who can get from point A to point B the quickest. So there's something just kind of very pure about racing. So even if you don't understand porpoising, you don't understand all the technical aspects of pit stops, who gets from point A to point B the fastest is a great setup for a sport. Totally, and it's massively exciting, especially when there's rain on the track because it just makes it so that um, you have to put on these like wet terrain tires and all of the best teams are suddenly like on equal uh, level with all the worst teams because it's, it would be a very pure sport and is in a certain, 
sense of like who's the fastest going from point A to point B, but the car that you're in and the money that your team has to spend on that car, as we've seen, has made all the difference, right? Absolutely. So let's start a little bit before then. Eddie, how did you get involved, interested in Formula One? How long have you been a supporter? And what is your kind of level of participation or engagement with the sport? Uh, well, I'm one of these bandwagon Formula One fans, you know? So I watched the Netflix show. <laughs> That's pretty drive. much all American fans, I feel like, yeah. to be fair. I watched the Netflix show, Drive to Survive, and um, was immediately enthralled with uh, just the level of competition, the high intensity the, the pressure of, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars at stake. The fact that every time one of these guys crashes, it costs like $400,000 to fix, you know? So, and also that they're passing each other with like an inch of space, right? You know, between the tires. And so, um, all of that is so perfectly kind of captured and dramatized by Drive to Survive on Netflix. There's four seasons now, and they just follow basically the entirety of the season and um, like cut together 10 episodes of the best kind of dramatic storylines and put that together. And um, so you get to know the drivers a little bit, you know, like you'll see them golfing or you see them at home with their families or out dinner with their girlfriends. And they're always, you know, talking about Formula One. And it's just great to see how they kind of interact with their families too, because some, you can tell that the family has just worshiped this kid their entire life, you know, and some are a little bit more down to earth. But picture, you know, multi, multi, multi-millionaires um, driving each of these cars, and that's pretty much, you know, the crowd. I remember there's, uh, I heard this quote of the guy who used to run Formula One until a few years ago, and he said that he wanted Formula One fans to be, like, Rolex watch, watch wearers. <laughs> like, he did not want it to be, you know, he wanted to be, like, a high-class prestige. Like yeah, he did not want it to be, yeah, PhD students and, you know, uh, str- struggling early career people yeah. wow jokes on him <laughs> yeah so we're doing we're a podcast now. so netflix came and kind of just i think like really blew the lid off the awareness of the sport and the exposure of the sport and i think that's been really good for the teams you know because so much so many more people are like watching week to week now i think yeah absolutely i think the point that i would emphasize is uh, i think i heard somebody else um on a much inferior podcast refer to it as sort of a cross between um, reality TV and sports and sports already have a kind of reality TV component where you follow along particular you know player narratives and you try to get a glimpse of people's personal lives but with only 20 people in the entire sport at least at the highest level you really do get to know everyone even the racers you don't really enjoy and so you just have a level of access and a level of kind of personality in the sport that you really can't get in like much larger team sports or even in individual sports like tennis where there's just hundreds of players and sure there's a top echelon but mm. you never really going to know the 50th ranked person much less the 200th ranked person um, so that's a huge advantage and they've done a good job at least in recent years bringing out those personalities and trying to give each player or each racer a brand um, that you can't really do in other sports uh, at least in the same way yeah and you know these guys are Early 20s, mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s. It's kind of like any other sport in that respect. Like Athletes you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really Except get... Except for Alonzo. Yeah, he was he like 40? I think he's like 40-something. Yeah, so you really don't get these guys sticking around like late into their 30s typically because there's younger kids who come up and take their seats. Um, but 
the the process to get into Formula One, you know, these guys have been racing sometimes since they were four years old. So they start with these kind of like go-karts. And I think that's also like international karting, you know, or is it strictly in Europe? I forget. Um, when they're like kids, you know, from age five to essentially like 14. I think there is karting in the U.S., but it's obviously much less popular. Yeah. I think because you're competing with other racing events as well. I think in Europe it's pretty much just Formula One. Yeah. But in the US you have NASCAR, IndyCar, those types of things. There's, so it's uh, yeah. slightly different. So they'll do karting for like 8 to 10 years when they're kids and then um, there's I think F3, F2 and F1 mm. and um, those are essentially like the farm systems of the top teams in Formula One. Um, so each team has kind of like corresponding teams in the lower divisions that they kind of recruit and foster talent through. Um, so the 20 that we're seeing are the best, like the best. verifiably the mm-hmm. best of the best, except if you're a pay driver, which basically your daddy's got a lot of money, maybe he's a billionaire, and he essentially just funds your seat by contributing so much amount of money that a team can't turn it down. And usually one of the struggling teams, right? Because one of the top teams, like, Mercedes or Ferrari would never, you know, accept money for a pay driver because the pay drivers typically are less skilled than, you know, the folks who earn it. I think this is a, an interesting uh, kind of split between American and European sports in general. When you think of mm. like the Premier League and different soccer and those sorts of things where it's essentially just how much money you have, you can buy all the players, whereas the U.S., all, all major sports except for baseball sort of have like a salary cap. Yeah. And they use the draft to try to make things as even as possible so you can, no matter what team you are, if you have a perfect strategy or if you get lucky, you have a chance at a title. Definitely not the case in Formula One or right. the EPL. Right. Uh, Lester aside, the teams with the most money and resources typically come out on top. Uh, but not always. And they're like Mercedes this year, which ha- is perennially one of the you know, best teams in the world. They changed the rules and they're really struggling. So it's, it's not impossible for people to move around, uh, but the cars themselves give certain teams a huge advantage. And so seeing how some of the lesser teams manage lower resources, like Haas, which is uh, seen as the American team, who took on kind of a Russian oligarch's son, who was recently kicked off due to events that you can check out our former podcast for. Mm-hmm. Um, but they basically took him on, even though he's just objectively a terrible driver. Terrible driver uh, and a terrible person. <laughs> Both, not great. You, you want to have at least one of the two. Latifi <laughs> seems like a great guy, at least. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's got that. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's some political drama on top of some of the racing drama as well. So should we get into, what do you think other sports, Eddie, can learn from Formula One? Well, I think in terms of trying to increase the profile of the sport, Doing a kick-ass reality show really helps, you know? So you have these kind of hard knocks or these, like, American equivalents in other sports where purportedly it's like, oh, yeah, come to the locker room and get the inside scoop. But it's so, like, public relations to death, you know? You just feel a publicist in the room and the, on the cutting floor of uh, these shows, and it's not terribly interesting. Um, but the access that Netflix gets seems to be better access than any other of these types of shows I've seen. So I feel like other um, sports could seize upon the opportunity to like follow, follow the Padres or follow you know a team really in depth and like see how their front office works and see how their player development works and like see the controversies like within the team. I think it's a net positive for kind of that sport. I think um, one thing about that too is like you said, it's not just having 
an inside look it's having a look at like the actual competitiveness and competition yeah which is tough for like things like hard knocks because it's all players presumably on the same team while there might yeah. be some rivalries everyone's working towards the same goal which yeah. sounds great but it's just worse television <laughs> like <laughs> right. we want to see animosity and chaos yeah. so i think um, i think golf is already has a deal with netflix to produce like, oh a yeah version i showed that yeah of drive to survive i know that baseball is trying to get in on it so we will see many other versions but i do think it's it's harder inherently for specific sports I mean, I've never, having grown up with, like, watching quite a lot of baseball, Yeah. I've never been like, you know what I need is, like, backroom access to watch even more right. in-between inning baseball. <laughs> right. No, so. I'm, I'm talking about, like, a 10-episode, half-hour show of, like, yeah, all the, like, the sure. trade deals, you know? I do think if you could condense something like baseball, like, you could work with within your, don't try to copy it exactly, mm, but take mm. the best effort. So I think like, I've always thought that baseball in particular, mm. if they put out the MLB, so instead the MLB like actively puts down um, like review shows that try to condense games. But I've always thought yeah. that the MLB was like, look, we're going to produce like a 30 to 45 minute version of these games that you can watch instead of the actual game. I think that would be a great way of keeping people interested when they can't watch every game. So like adapting to the times and trying to make things a little bit more bite-sized for it's, people. Uh, it's an excellent idea. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I think being able to present the players individually, so giving them personality, kind of creating not necessarily villains, but creating kind of rivalries between teams. So even if you don't, you know, you have a, a, like a home team or you like a particular team in your area, being able to build up mid-scale teams and also kind of organizing the sport around not necessarily just the title. I think a lot of the Drive to Survive stuff that's interesting is about people keeping their seats um, and people being able to move up to different um, race groups where you don't, I think pretty much all sports shows in the U.S. are about teams trying to win the title. They're not really yeah. necessarily about teams trying to make the playoffs or even teams trying to you know, survive and keep players or not going into relegation, those sorts of things. I mean, I think you could like basketball is trying to do with a mid-season tournament, create alternatives to this pinnacle um, for spectators, which is always pretty fascinating. Yeah, I feel like it's like an American thing where, you know, we know we're Not the 10th best team. Yeah, we know we're the 10th best team, but we're going to win the finals this uh -huh. year. And you're like, no. Whereas in Formula 1, they're very realistic about we're going for third this year and that would be a really good result. Mm -hmm. And then they get third and they're like stoked. You know, it's very British. And they organize <laughs> the payout to incentivize that, sure. right? Like it's a uh, cascading scale. It's not just sure. like the winner gets everything. It's second place is worth a lot more than third place and fourth sure. place. So if you overperform, even if you go from, you know, eighth to fifth, that's a huge bonus that you're yeah. not expecting. Uh, that makes it a big deal if you can win a couple races here or there. Um, okay, so let's get into the actual, th th that was your intro. Oh, the other thing I yeah, was thinking of, um, I think other sports, I've talked to my friend Justin, shout out to nice. uh, uh, our Welsh audience. There you go. Because um, he, he follows the NFL, but he lives in Wales. And just talking about how like the increased uh, you know, awareness and profile of the NFL has been, even just playing one game in the UK, in London, um, has been really good. And he's got, like, a friend that covers it for GQ. And it used to be this kind of, like, niche thing, but it's, like, continuing to expand. So I feel like if they, if um, other sports played more international games that were actually counted as, like, real games, mm -hmm. I think that would be an interesting, also, thing that they could learn from Formula 1. It's things that are, people are attempting to do. I think the NBA is trying to do more games in Mexico City uh -huh. um, and, and London as well are the two big ones. Usually, it's, it's just a time zone problem. I think when you have mm -hmm. sports that play so often, yeah. um, the nice thing about Formula 1 is... 
sure they play all over the world, but they have you know a two week break where they can go and actually yeah, check out yeah, the track. Sure. Um, so it works well. But bat- football makes sense because there's so few games you could figure it out. And they're doing that. They're possibly going to have a team based there more full time. Yeah. Supposedly that's been a rumor for a long time, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's your introduction to Formula One. Uh, I'm sure you're all caught up now. You don't even need to watch Drive to Survive because basically we just explained everything. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Eddie has watched mo- seasons multiple times. Eddie yeah. is a super fan. I love it. Um, okay, so let's talk about the current season. Sure. Um, should we give it a little yeah, background? Yeah, you're the historian here. You're the, the F1. <laughs> no, uh, you're, you're underselling. You actually watch like, the races and get up at 6 a.m. and have been doing it for well, a couple I'm years. I'm more just... of a, like a active fan in terms of watching the races and things rather yeah. than a historian you're like busting out references to Senna and well you and know stuff so so um the most dominant driver of the last eight years is unquestionably a British guy named Lewis Hamilton and the f- I think he was the first black driver in F1 Maybe. Was he the first? He's definitely the only one now. He's definitely the only one now. Do some back um, He's been incredibly dominant. So he's won seven world championships to tie Michael Schumacher uh, for the most ever. He um, drives for Mercedes. And Mercedes, I think, has only won... Only black driver ever, you were correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, not great. Not a great look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, not a ton of diversity in the F1. So he drives for Mercedes. And... Um, Mercedes has just been so incredibly good at not only um, coming into the season with a good car, but like developing it as the season goes and um, like understanding how to improve and like modify it as the season goes along, which is a huge part of F1 too, you know? You know, just because the fastest car in the first race doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the fastest car at the end of the season if other teams are better at developing and making changes and adaptations. Um, but Mercedes has been incredibly good at that um, the last seven years and has won seven years in a row until last year there was a lot of controversy. Well, they won the Constructors last year, so technically they have won, I think, eight in a row. But because um, there's the Constructors and the Drivers' Championship. Drivers' Championships, just like who scored the most points. Individual drivers. Yeah, you score points by uh, finishing in the top ten. So, you know, number one scores like 26 points, number two, 18, and it just kind of descends. Um, and so that's how you score points and so uh, Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes was level on points exactly going into the final race with Max Verstappen who is a much younger driver who's kind of like up and coming uh, for Red Bull Red Bull racing and so it was like an incredibly exciting last race of last year because they were even on points um, even though Mercedes has already taken the constructors which is basically they add both the teammates together the points together and then they give the team you know but i feel like the sexier world championship is is the driver's one you know that's kind of what all the fans pay attention to um so they're even on points and then last uh year max got pole position which means you uh qualify with the fastest lap to get the opening you know starting position in the race which is a hugely important for strategy and then when the you know lights went out, they started the race. Uh, Lewis took first place immediately away from Max, and it was like crazy big drama because Lewis was second, and then led the whole race. And then there was a crash, and when happens when there's a crash, there's a safety car kind of comes out and they clean up the crash, and then um, you know if there's enough laps still after the laps that they do, they'll kind of continue racing. If not, they'll finish under safety car. And so 
super controversial thing happens where basically, you know, they allowed certain cars to get out of the way between Lewis and Max, and then Max was on newer tires and basically won the championship and under very precarious, controversial, you know, um, they were not following protocol the way that they kind of finished that race. So anyways, all that to say, 2021 ended spectacularly for a number of reasons because the whole driver's championship of 25 races came down to one lap at the end. Um, and so Mercedes, that was, you know, the first time in eight years that they had lost the driver's championship. So they came in this season with the chip on their shoulder, ready to kind of, you know, more motivated than ever before, you could say. But then their car has been incredibly underperforming because they changed all the regulations. So they had to like, re everyone had to rebuild their cars. And Mercedes is like fourth right now. So that's a very cool, a couple of cool things about Formula One is that they change the regulations every so often. This was a very big change, but every year they have different changes. And so even if your car is the most dominant the year before, you kind of have to have the best engineers to adapt to the new regulations to ensure that you can still compete. So you can't just roll out the same car year after year and dominate. Yeah. Um, and everyone has to work within the same sort of constraints, which kind of works as somewhat of a, of a salary cap, even yeah. though certain teams have more money to work within those constraints. I think one other interesting thing that you bring up is the like levels of interest so i really like enjoy watching the actual races and kind of following the drivers but i think you can deep dive into like the actual engineers themselves and like what types of um, additions to the car are keeping certain cars from porpoising and i've done some of that but you can definitely get in on formula one at various levels which i think yeah. creates a, an opportunity for people to be like different levels of fan which i think is probably great for the sport as well um, yeah, so Mercedes struggling. What are some of the other teams that people might be interested in? And how do you get in, interested in a team of people trying to choose? Is it more like these mm. cars are cool in real life, and so I like the team? It's like I like these drivers on Drive to Survive, so yeah. I like those teams. Is it I more think it's, like, I, I feel like for Americans, it's more like, oh, I connected with these drivers on Drive to Survive, so I'm just going to root for that team. You know? Just, I actually why? know a lot of people who really like specific cars in real life huh. that have like, liked the team because of that as well. Like, not even the F1 car, like McLaren, just some yeah, kind of McLaren car or like some Mercedes cars. Yeah. yeah, Ferrari is a big one. People really like Ferraris as like a brand. Sure. Yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, I think that, yeah, the personality of the driver, I think, is, is, is big and key um, in terms of which team you kind of want to go with. Um, the brands of cars, that makes a lot of sense, too. There's kind of a... I feel like it's fair to say that there's very much like a... I don't know, like in like a different ethos that every team has, like discernibly different. In the same way that I feel like the Giants have a very different kind of just vibe than the Dodgers. Um, and so I think that that's one way in too, whereas I just, Mercedes as dumb as they've been as class active as Lewis Hamilton is and Toto Wolff, their team principal, just seems like a really, um, I don't know, he plays fair in a way that other teams don't, but he's this is extremely some, like, uh, good. Christian Horner slander. He's getting around the bush just because you want to have Christian Christian Horner on later. So yeah, no, he's uh, so I just I get, like I re I really respect Mercedes, but I really don't like them mm -hmm. because they've just been. I feel like it's like rooting for the Yankees, you know, when the Yankees were like dominant because they could just spend as much money as possible and then get the results that they want. So you like a big Williams or Haas fan or what? Uh, now I like McLaren because I don't want to. I don't want to root for the teams that are in the back of the pack because I don't want to be like, oh yeah, we finished oh, the tenth, we got some points. You know, that's not terribly exciting. Whereas McLaren can still like get podiums, get in the top three, um, and every once in a while like win a race. 
Um, but I think the McLaren's going to continue to improve. And they have such a, like, brilliant history in Formula One with, like, you know, world championships in the past. So I kind of like that history, too. Gotcha. But were you a McLaren fan, too, right? I like McLaren. I mostly root against Red Bull. I really dislike Red Bull. <laughs> Why? I, they're the worst. They're not even a car company. They're an energy drink company. <laughs> it's dumb. Yeah. Uh, I dislike Matt Verstappen quite a lot. I think he... He's a punk. He's the Bond uh, villain, for yeah, sure. For sure. He does make it more fun. If you didn't have somebody as as dislikable. Yeah, this is my thing about, like, um, for baseball fans out there, Bryce Harper. Like, I really don't like Bryce Harper. But I think he's good for the sport because I think it's good to have, like, a villain. I think it's good to have someone who's, like, really cocky and flashy. It makes it more entertaining, I feel. No, fair enough, which I enjoy. I think I get – so I, right now, am very much hoping Ferrari wins the title this year. because. Why? Just mainly because I don't like Red Bull. Oh, I really right, don't okay. want Red Bull to win the title. <laughs> Do you like Mercedes? Yeah, I like Mercedes, but they're yeah. pretty far behind already. Yeah, so for sure. I really like Lewis Hamilton. I think he's a great guy on and off. I think he's a great ambassador for the sport. As we say, he's the only black driver, and he's done a lot of work trying to make the sport more diverse and to. Uh, he's trying to. He was like kind of led the pull to bring a race back to Af- uh, like the African continent as well, which mm. hopefully will happen within the next few years. Um, and so, yeah, just difficult to dislike. But he's he's Hamilton. always at the end of the race, you know, when he wins, he's always thanking the engineers. He's thanking the whole team. You know, <laughs> no, I just think he's such a class act. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you can't dislike. He's hard, you can't dislike. He's hard Lewis not Hamilton. to like. He's a way worse bad guy when he was dominating than Max Verstappen. Yeah, oh, for sure. Very much easy to dislike, which yeah. is a shame. I actually really like Checo, who's the other driver for Red Bull. Checo's great. I yeah. wish he was on a different team because. Uh, Checo seems like a really nice guy. Um, yeah, uh, I think, um, yeah, so it's interesting kind of nationalities you have. So Checo's Mexican, Science is Spanish. Science is great. Probably my favorite driver of all. Yeah. Of all drivers, yeah. I think Magnussen's Dutch. Magnussen. Um, is the Tifi French? If I had to rate my favorite teams, it would be McLaren, Haas. Mm, same. And then maybe Ferrari. We'll see. Mm, it's hard to root for Ferrari for me. Um, because they're Italian, <laughs> just like Italians. No, um, so I feel like the nationalities of Formula One are generally European countries. Yeah, with, I mean it's it's based in Europe, right? Uh, yeah, 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 I think it's per se. The majority um, of the race. I feel like there's always a handful of Brits, because I want to say that the Brits invented Formula One colonialism and colonialism. <laughs> there's no Americans, which is interesting at the moment, but there were in. Yes, yeah, previous, yeah. And Haas yeah. is technically, and there's a few American, um, like, engineers and mm. team leads. Yeah. McLaren team lead is, uh, oh, yeah. is American. Yeah, Zach Brown. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's still a Eurocentric sport, but is increasing well, the, in, there's a Japanese Grand Prix, you know, there's. Sure, I mean, it's all over the world now, but in America, especially, Japanese there's uh, people getting angry that there's, like, three, three races within the next couple of years that are going to be based in the U.S., Right. Um, so for U.S. fans, which is great, but it's also expanding at a time when U.S. Formula One viewership is going way up. So I'm not optimistic about my ability to pay <laughs> to go to a race, even yeah. though I would love to do that. Uh, but the Miami, as we record this, the Miami Grand Prix is the first uh, one is happening this next weekend, this coming weekend. Yeah. So we're, exciting. what, four or five races into the season? Yeah. And I think four, yeah, it's interesting because it there's already kind of talk of Red Bull and Ferrari just battling for the championship without Mercedes even being able to like come back from the hole that they've dug themselves. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if that bears out because it still feels a little early to me. 
to like yeah, have decided that, you saying like you know, oh the title's over which doesn't make any sense no, they say that sense. every year and then it's like oh there were 20 races left so. yeah <laughs> and you just I don't know these things are unpredictable sometimes like you someone can be leading and then make like a tiny mistake like Leclerc did and yeah. pass and then spin out and then all of a sudden they're fourth instead of first mm-hmm. um yeah I think that uh also I think F1 does a really good job of doing what you're talking about in terms of like doing like recaps um of races it's so like doing highlights which baseball kind of does it doesn't do the full yeah. like oh you you can watch this yeah. two hour and 30 minutes um but i think it makes it really accessible on youtube to kind of follow along yeah. if you're not watching the races um not that i would know that because i watch every single minute of the races he does not <laughs> but he'll watch um, the recap who's your favorite driver so in terms of personality or in terms of like style like style of driving oh that's a good question I don't know both. I really like Carlos Sainz in terms of personality. Yeah, just seems like a genuinely good dude. Sure. Um, cares, but cares about other things as well. Very personable. Uh, just seems like a quality hang. Yep. I would really like him to win a couple races this year. That would be great. Um, in terms of just sheer, like, who do I think is like just a great driver that I enjoy watching? It's it's tough because you want them to be. Lewis Hamilton is almost too good. He's like so smooth that he's always making the right decisions on yeah. all the turns, which I like watching. Yeah. Uh, but it's can get a little boring because he's just impeccable in what he does. Yeah. I would say probably at the moment Magnuson because he's all over the place and <laughs> he can be like fifth place yeah. or he can be like eighteenth place. Um, so I really enjoy his driving style, which is like fairly aggressive, but in a kind of a mid a middling car. Yeah. Um, so I would say to watch right now Magnussen because he's all over the map Botas as well very fun to watch as a driver uh, but in terms of actual personality and things I would say Carlos Sainz is my, my mm. guy mm. yeah no that makes sense I think um, Lando and Verstappen I think are both really fun to watch like drive because begrudgingly Verst- Verstappen is pretty fun yeah because he's, he's super so, aggressive he's super aggressive yeah. and unpredictable yeah you know um, and so that makes it really fun mm-hmm. to watch him. Lando is, I feel like he's aggressive, but, um, I feel like he's less like prone to, uh, he's, he's less risk averse yeah. than other drivers, if that makes sense. And I think you have to be willing to take risks in order to, you know, finish on podiums. And obviously if, if you're in kind of one of these cars, that's not the fastest on the grid. Um, so I think that's fun to watch. As far as, um, yeah, good hangs, signs, um, Dana Ricardo. Classic is, good hang. Yeah, he's, I feel like Australians in wherever are just like, he's perpetuating people. a great stereotype of Australians. Yeah. Just like a chill hang, seems like yeah. a good guy. Just always down to have fun. Which yeah. I think is probably puts him at a disadvantage. I know he's crazy competitive, but I think he's not mm-hmm. psychopathic levels of competitive right. compared to some of these <laughs> other drivers. Right. Like, he would but, be, like, really competitive yeah. for, like, if he was on your office, right. like, intramural team. Right. But... But long-term, I think that's going to work out for him. Because, <laughs> like, he was on the Trevor Noah's show, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's and, a great personality. He's a, he yeah. just seems like a charismatic dude. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, Max Verstappen, like, he, he sat out the most recent uh, season of Drive to Survive. He's just like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just, like, yeah. didn't. Which is... He hasn't done any seasons, has he? I think he, he did previous seasons. I think mm-hmm. this might have been the first or second time okay. he just said no um so yeah okay so uh any other i feel like um let's see well, which cars do you think any... outside of the so you, you don't really 
equate the cars on the roads versus the cars in the in the sport. Sure. But which car do you think is the coolest? Not the Formula One car because they're all pretty much the same, different colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which car in the real world would you most like to have? I think McLarens are really cool. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, Ferraris are really cool, but I just feel like it. I guess you'd feel like a douchebag driving any of these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all, wait, we but, can't afford any yeah, of them, but. <laughs> totally. but I think McLaren's do look cool. Mm. Um, I don't really like Mercedes, like Benzes or mm. cars anyway. Um, yeah, Ferraris. And then I think those are really the only three that actually make like real cars that you can drive. Right? No, Alfa Romero makes them, they're just mostly Oh, European. yeah, 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 that's true. Um, does Haas make real cars? I don't actually I think they might, but so. they might be I like, think they have a NASCAR team, okay. so maybe that's the connection. They might have like specialty cars rather than like real. Maybe. You can buy them. Yeah. Um, I think a few of these make cars, but in only like pretty much in mm. Europe. It's kind of like Renault and stuff. Like you yeah. see a bunch of those in Europe, but yeah, not that's necessarily true. in the US. Yeah, so Alpine would be the Renault yeah, connection. I think so, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a few of those. I think Alfa Romeo would actually be a cool car to have. It'd be like a lot less flashy than like a mm. Ferrari, obviously, but would be like pretty slick yeah um but yeah i hope audi audi joins audi oh right they're really trying like to get in those yeah. real cars look really cool that would be really good yeah. especially i think you have to spend a lot right. of especially money. now like if you had i feel like they missed their window like mm. if you had bought haas like four yeah. years ago before yeah. drive to yeah. survive yeah it's got to have like tripled since then with the american i think i think market. you just do a slow takeover yeah. so like haas is yeah. haas is like always desperate for money uh-huh. so you'd be like okay yeah here's 50 million dollars yeah. and then you like play it cool and then you eventually are yeah. like we're taking this over yeah. <laughs> right yeah exactly um, um so yeah nice are there any other narratives around drivers that that people should know about feel like um i think the pay driver stuff is pretty interesting to follow along because it's like yeah. what if we took a normal person gave them yeah. tons of money and then just like trained them but they were not actually that skilled right like you get it's it's, it's, it's like, a massive shortcut you know yeah it's a shortcut but then it also makes the race more fun because every once in a while a stroll will just like turn into somebody mid-race <laughs> like, what yeah. the hell was that yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but it makes it more exciting um other things i think there's a few like foreign drivers which are fun Sonoda is an interesting hang yeah Japanese uh, driver Japanese driver who seems he's like a, he was a rookie last year so it's his second year he's fun to watch seems pretty talented yeah. as well um, I think the like lower end drivers are like Al- Alex Albon who like wasn't born into a rich family because some of the youth karting stuff like yeah. we said is crazy expensive so sure. you don't often get racers who just got there by like sheer talent and will so it's yeah. always cool when they get a chance um but yeah, there's a lot of like legacy teams who are hoping, kind of planning three years out. It's sort of like baseball where you have the lower paid teams that are like, okay, in 2025, we're aiming for that to be our year where we go all in. So we're like building up our farm system. Um, and you get that sort of same like future planning. So it can be tough to root for a team like that in the short term. Um, but you kind of have to hold on and, and uh, support your team to the end. So Yeah, totally. Um... Yeah, I guess the other, only other thing I would say about some of the narratives around... I mean, you watch Drivers Survive and you can kind of see like which drivers you find interesting mm-hmm. um, or which you'd want to follow. But um, there's like former multi-world champions, like, you know, Sebastian Vettel, I think, won four world champions. Mm-hmm. Do we have any chips? mentioned Alonso or Vettel? And Alonso has won two. And so... Uh, that's interesting to see like former world champions past their prime still just like middling in the midfield with these like lesser teams but well, just still on the grid the thing is you can you, even if you're the best driver in the world if you do a poor job picking your team you're not going to win the title and so totally. a lot of people think Alonso may be the most talented driver of all time really just, yeah like a lot of people would say that wow. 
And but since he won his last title, he just chose really crap teams, yeah. and so he's had like terrible cars. But he'll yeah. do like an amazing job passing people sure. in the middle. Same with Vettel. Um, yeah, so, so that's always fun to watch. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's fun because you know on Alpine you have Alonso who's forty and you know multi world champion, mm-hmm. and then you have Ocon who's probably twenty five uh-huh. and like grew up watching Alonso. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those kind of situations. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the fact that some of these kids are like you know twenty one mm-hmm. and operating under this amount of pressure. Yeah. I mean, you see that in other sports too, but it's but also we haven't really talked about the danger of this sport, oh, you know. It's crazy dangerous, and I was going to ask you, do you think if you had been, tra- like, if you could go back, so obviously there weren't, like, karting opportunities for us, maybe there were, but I just... No, I, if I could redo it, yeah, I would do everything to be a Formula 1 driver, and I'd be in, on the You would be right in it right now. Yeah. You, you would take... <laughs> no, what's the question? Spot. I was going to say, would you want to be a racer, like, if you could go back in time and train, and, like... No, I don't, I don't have the uh, stomach for it. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you? I think it would be super fun. I mean, yeah. maybe I wouldn't be you, good, you, but I would love yeah. to do it. I think for it sure, super, give it, give super it a shot. I think, yeah. you, I think you probably would, you could be built out for it because you're like I feel really like I competitive. I would crash all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let anyone pass. I'd yeah. get kicked out. I also don't think you would, well, actually, when you're a kid or when you're coming up, mm. no one is ever celebrating anything but probably a podium, like yeah, the first three, yeah. because... If you're finishing like fifth consistently as a kid, you're never gonna like. Yeah, you, especially if you don't have like millions ascend. of dollars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think it. I think the whole sport kind of rewards the type of risk taking because you're sure. never gonna like win races consistently. You have you to don't. be crazy competitive. Even yeah. the least competitive of the twenty drivers is like a psychopath. Totally. But then like the worst days of the risk takers are like way worse than yeah, yeah. the bet. You know, the yeah. worst days of. The I film. mean, it's you make one minor mistake and your car can be yeah. upside down and people die. So I mean, the cars have yeah. gotten a lot safer, but yeah. you still have people risk. still do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like at the end of last season, I think it was the twenty twenty one season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, 2020. 2020, 2020 yeah. um, for Grosjean? What? Are you talking about Grosjean? Yeah, Gro- yeah, yeah. Grosjean, yeah. Um, he was a Haas driver in 2020, and I really know what happened, but he went into the wall, and his car exploded in fire, and he was, like, engulfed in flames for, burns. Two, like, two yeah. and a half minutes, and he walked out of it, and he's, like, fine, yeah. and he's racing an IndyCar now. very, very lucky. He has burned Super lucky, stuff, but... yeah. So, um, it's still a dangerous sport and these guys know that. And yet these guys do everything they can to like keep in it as long as they can, as long as they're competitive, you know, it's just, it's just their brains are wired differently. Okay. How about this? So one more question before we get into a couple of your fun questions, which race is your favorite, which track? To be honest, I don't know the tracks well enough to have a favorite. Yeah. I like the ones where there's a lot of overtaking built mm-hmm, in. I sure. think they've made a conscious effort to yeah. build more tracks with like straightaways where yeah, you can yeah, yeah. overtake and use DRS and um and then like tight corners and stuff. Yeah. Um so Monaco is like gorgeous and like really cool to see, but the track is garbage <laughs> yeah. and like Pretty you much know, the races aren't in in, the pole, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um Maybe maybe Silverstone. I was gonna say Silverstone too. Yeah. I really think the new Las Vegas race that doesn't come into effect until next year is yeah. gonna be cool. I like is it, the track. That's gonna be like it's got in a bunch city, of like right? quick turns and then a, yeah it goes down the strip which is gonna be awesome. That's to see. sweet. <laughs> and then uh, it's got like a bunch of like big straightaways too. I think the track is gonna be cool. That's um, really really sweet. I'm excited for that. Okay, let's get to your questions here. Oh yeah. I guess it's just one question, but. Well yeah, and we can do some predictions. Yeah. Um. All right, so. 
you're pulled over on the side of the road and your car breaks down, which like F1 driver are you hoping like passes by because you think they'll stop and help you? Okay, I was like, trying to which, decide if this, this is this because I think they're going to stop or is this because I want to drive with them in a fun way once I get into the car. Oh. You know? Maybe both, but I feel like a lot of these guys would not stop for you. <laughs> but no, I'm saying, for like, sure. What are you but I think on? like yeah. Lewis Hamilton would stop, but I don't think he would yeah. like go fast to the gas station. <laughs> like I think he would drive the speed limit to the gas station. <laughs> like I want somebody who would stop, but is also kind of crazy. I, right. <laughs> I guess. I guess the question was like, who do you think's like the most generous person? Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Or who who's I like think, prone to help out? I think Danny Rick and Carlos Sainz. You think stop. so? I, I think like Gasly Bot- might stop. I feel like Bottas, Bottas would, might stop. Would stop. Yeah. Who do you think definitely wouldn't stop? Like Verstappen oh, is no way most of them. Verstappen yeah. is blowing straight Stoppen. right. You're probably like hitting the puddle like uh, yeah. movies and like <laughs> splashing you. Lance Stroll's not stopping. Yeah. Yuki's not stopping. Probably not. Um, yeah. Magnuson probably not, even though I love him. Yeah. <laughs> He's not stopping. <laughs> um, I just think that, I don't know, I'm fascinated with these guys too because they come from really rich families and they're obscenely rich and they're all really handsome and good looking and that's like so yeah, so there's like nothing like there's nothing bringing them down to like the world of real people so i just assume they're all assholes you know <laughs> i like to give them the benefit of the doubt but uh you know it's yeah. probably unwarranted well because they're running into fans all over the place and constantly yeah, getting their photos taken too you know all right well 2022 predictions eddie let's wrap it up who do you think is going to win the constructors and who do you think is going to win the title individual and team Um, I think it might be split again, honestly. I would go Verstappen for the Drivers' Championship, and I would go Ferrari for the Constructors. Okay, then screw you. I'll go, I was going to take Verstappen because I hate him, but he's a really good driver. I'll take Leclerc. Let's okay. go. Yeah. And I will take Red Bull for the, the Constructors. Oh, interesting. Because I think Checo is going to have a great season. He's you do? Yeah. Okay, so you think yeah. that Checo is going to be more consistent than Sainz? I do so. I do think yeah. so. Yeah, I, hope, I, really I, like I mean, I, I'm rooting for signs. Like, I, I really like signs. Yeah, like I don't, I don't want to see him, like what happened last, you know, in Imola. I don't want to see that. Of all the drivers who like technically could still win, they have the car and the skill, I would want signs to win the most. Um, but he's already a bit behind. And he's pretty much the second chair driver. No, I yeah, I totally agree with that yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, I would root for signs of the yeah. competitive. There's really only like drivers. six drivers who could possibly win. Now it's yeah. more like this is just Red Bull or Ferrari pretty much. It'll be interesting to see if like Ferrari sticks with those guys yeah. for like as long as they can, or if Lando like jumps into one of the Mercedes seats or one. That would be yeah. He's on path for it for sure. But McLaren has him locked in for a long time. McLaren, hopefully they'll just keep improving the car and then yeah. they could you know maybe the cool. three way title race would be fun. That'd be cool. But, uh, now, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Hopefully, if people have any more questions, feel free to reach out. Yeah, reach out. Your uh, number one, F- one fan right here, Eddie Matthews. Follow his Twitter. <laughs> number he will two. give you F1 takes <laughs> for days. Um, but yeah, so a week from yesterday, I guess. So this Sunday is... Yes, um, this coming Sunday. We'll get this part out this week so that you can turn on your TVs. And it's Miami. a good one to watch because it's at 1230 Pacific time, so you don't have to get up early. It's on ESPN. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Miami Grand Prix. Should be a good one. Cool beans. Until next time, F1 slash Rational Listeners. Adios. Adios.